What's up, everyone? Welcome to yet another episode of the Culture Class Podcast. And today I'm talking to Robert Yoho, who went from amateur bodybuilding to cosmetic surgery, and now he is a champion for healthcare and all of the things that you should know about the healthcare industry. I am super excited to be talking to Rob today. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Thank you for the generous introduction, Akanji. And <laughs> I, I have to do this 30-second disclaimer yes. because of all the lawyers who may be listening, probably nobody, but um, this is not individualized healthcare. Don't rely on this for medical advice. If you have a problem, you got to see a doctor and use this information at your own risk, even though I've studied it for you know a long time and it reflects my background. So thank you. That's a good, see, it's pretty, he's pretty much saying, don't go do Google search or culture class podcast search for your medical needs. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll get into that later. But, uh, no, that's true. Um, well, I'm absolutely pleasure to meet you. Um, okay. So we're going to go into the things. Okay. I know that, you know, we are, you know, championing healthcare and in, in the times that we live in, you know, COVID is a whole thing. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But for right now, I want to know how you went from amateur bodybuilding to cosmetic surgery. That part of your life, I'm like really stuck on. And by the way, <laughs> listeners, before we even get into anything, I don't know, you can't see him because you're listening to him. But I told him already before we started the podcast, he gives me like Arnold Schwarzenegger vibes, especially <laughs> with the bodybuilding part of this. So super excited. But yeah, so bodybuilding? Tell me what's up with that. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I was an Eagle Scout once too, and I'm not oh, sure no. how relevant it is, but <laughs> it, this is your podcast. So we'll, we'll jump into this stuff. So I went to medical school, both my parents are doctors oh. and, uh, I was, you know, I became very interested in, um, rock climbing and mm -hmm. bodybuilding. And, you know, I was an athlete in high school and college. I was a varsity wrestler and so on. And so I, I'm just, uh, I'm interested in conditioning and I've kept it up and I'm 68 and it is a lot harder now when you're orthopedically challenged. <laughs> That's what it I'm is sure now. sure it's not that bad. Well, you haven't been there yet. So <laughs> it's everything's downhill after about 60, at least Aww. it has been for me. But um, no, I'm I, the most recently, I did a 35 year career as a cosmetic surgeon after an initial career as an emergency medicine. And I became board certified in both. Um, and I retired around three years ago and I started writing. And initially I got interested in hormone therapy because Ooh. that's what I did as a cosmetic surgeon. I had a lot of female patients. And by the time I quit, a lot of them were over 50 and they were all going through the change of life. And so I wrote the book about hormones, hormone secrets. And it was, it was a lot of uh, information about corruption here. Uh, in other words, I found that there were many um, areas in hormones that were, were improper. And they, you know, we mm -hmm. had black box warnings on progesterone estrogen and testosterone, they were claimed to cause cardiac problems, you know, heart problems and strokes. And I mean, it's just crazy. And I realized that there were false messages being promulgated and I investigated and I kind of went down this rabbit hole of medical corruption. And I learned after several years of study that much of medical care is just based on money and nothing else. And then I wrote my other book, Butchered by Healthcare, mm -hmm. which is, is a is very inflammatory cover there. The guy, the doctor is obviously just interested in the money. Uh, and it's not just the doc. The thing has been sort of taken over by corporate interests mm -hmm. and they rule the entire mechanism of healthcare in the United States. And okay. since you're young, let me, and, let yeah, me interject, ahead. right? So we'll start with the hormone therapy part. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, just the overall healthcare system and, and what is, what are some of the things that we as the general public don't know that we should know. So hormones and you're doing cosmetic surgery. I'm sure 
sure like there's some level of hormone therapy that you know is attached to that somehow um what is the biggest thing or the biggest i guess misconception or the biggest piece of information that is true that most people don't know about that industry or that part of the good, health good question industry? so the biggest misconception is that hormones cause cancer right and that's what people mm -hmm. think about when they hear estrogen and this is based on the largest study medical study ever done which is the women's health initiative and that studied two outmoded drugs they were already obsolete at the time they were studied and there was a small incidence of cancer that was connected with one of those drugs right but the modern hormone well, that drug was uh, provera which is uh, synthetic progesterone right okay. that's and you know there are other brand names for it too the estrogen that was studied came from horses horse urine estrogen which you probably heard of that's called Premarin. now those two drugs are still widely advertised and still used today even though they are vastly inferior to the bioidentical or human component identical yeah. um, hormones that are used now or that should be used now. And so those two drugs have uses for like uterine bleeding and stuff like that, but they I should never I was just going to ask, like, are they still in use because yeah. they, they serve a, maybe as a cheaper option to using the, you know, closer to human? Um, they're not hormone? cheaper. They're not cheaper. Uh, they're expensive because they're, they're not, they're no longer proprietary, but they're produced by big pharma. They're still advertised and they have a kind of a legacy following from people that took them before, but they shouldn't be used long-term now. Uh, the, the bioidentical hormones should be used. And okay. uh, base, basically my experience was working with these menopausal women. And, you know, my, my duty as a doctor was to help them and not just shine on their other problems. Right. And so right. I knew their hormones weren't being treated. And as I learned and uh, studied and was trained and became certified in hormone therapy, I was capable of helping them with this stuff. And it's very simple medicine that just wasn't being done for yeah. very many people. And so most plastic surgeons go ahead and treat a string of depressed or anxious people with cosmetic surgery. And that's inappropriate. Right. Um, right. You know, I did cosmetic surgery for them and it helped their problems to some extent. But um, really, I think the most good I did was giving them bioidentical hormones and getting them started on this stuff and improving their health and their weight and their, their looks through that. So why did really you helped. care so much? Why didn't you just go, oh, I'm going to solve the surface problem? You know, right. well, you know, money coming. <laughs> the, the doctors, that's a good question now is like, why are the doctors doing what they're doing uh, currently, which it looks like they don't care very much. It looks like they're just out for the money. Um, but I was trained in an era and certainly this era is no long, is not completely over, but doctors are, should have the total patient first attitude, right? That is our ethic. That's the, the, the real Hippocratic oath. It's not do no harm. It's the patient's interests are first beyond everything else, the individual patient. So I was trained in that era. And so I had to treat these women who were so obviously uh, affected by their menopause and uh, so obviously not cured by a surgical treatment. So until you decided, you know, I'm going to be the difference that I wish I saw in the industry. Well, I, I had contact with people that, who were doing it and I joined these groups and I got into it. And that that journey led me down the path of studying medical corruption because the hormone therapy was so influenced by big pharma. There was it was basically so corrupt mm -hmm. that I, um, you know, it was, it was freaking disgusting. And, uh, and I, I was doing stuff that wasn't completely conventional, even though it was entirely in the best interest of the patient, it, patients, it had been well established by, uh, by studies to work. And these drugs are some of the oldest and, uh, drugs we've used and they've, we have the most experience with them. I mean, we, we've been using thyroid for 120 years. Yeah. Just think about that. I mean, there's enormous experience with that. Um, the progesterone and estrogen is around 80 years, even growth hormone, it's probably 50 years. And so the, the studies on 
these other drugs, which were, uh, they, the industry came up with them later. And the, the claims that they, uh, and see what happened was the, the newer drugs were studied and they, they were found to be somewhat uh, injurious, not very injurious, but little small statistical fashion injurious. And they were, then the bioidentical hormones, uh, which we had also in our hands, in our, in our ability to prescribe, they were right. tarred with the same brush. And I think this was purpose. I think industry did this to, to bring down the whole hormone house of carbs in order to promote drugs like expensive antidepressants and all these other things that are used to treat people who have menopause symptoms. I mean, it's, it's outrageous, really. Are there other ways from being in the medical profession? Are there other ways outside of antidepressants or um, even the hormone therapies? Because I'm African and I come from a culture where, you know, some of these aren't even considered as things. And, you know, people will agree or disagree with this. Like some, some things, some like menopausal symptoms, you know, women go through them, but they don't go to the hospital and say, hey, something's wrong with me, right? It's just, you deal with it and then you get older and it's not a problem anymore because, you know, you're not having all those <laughs> symptoms anymore. So are there, is there anything in the current healthcare system that is encouraging people to, I guess, get through it because it's, you know, that's the phase right now and it's going to pass. Of course, this is outside of, you know, maybe more serious mental um, conditions that other people may have to seek you know, treatment for. But is there other ways or are we just stuck with, you know, going through this healthcare system the way that it's set up? <laughs> well, let, let me give you an idea about that. And this, this will sound like a joke, but it's not really a joke. Okay. Just because there are problems with aircraft design does not mean that magic carpets fly. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So there are a lot of these these natural uh, uh, these natural uh, pill sellers and the vitamin mm -hmm. people and all, they affect a swagger of outside innocence or outside you, you know what I mean. But they're really playing the same games just mm -hmm. on a smaller scale. They're trying to sell things, and in their case, many of those things have no pretense of of working. There's no study. There's no nothing. Now on the flip side, big pharma conceals many things that do work because they can't be patented. Um, there are there there are cancer treatments. There's a lot of other stuff that is not well studied because they're never going to spend the money on it because naturally there's no money in it because only the patent drugs, the things that they can stamp a unique, you know, they can, they can put through the patent system are tremendously profitable. And the profits have gotten so large mm -hmm. that, I mean, they just, they just, here's, here's how crazy it is, right? Healthcare itself is the same size as the federal government now. Are you serious? $4 trillion for healthcare in the United States. The federal government's tax uh, tax revenues are 3.5 trillion. Of course, they spend more. So I don't know what the I don't know what the heck the the full. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. So just wait. Think about that. You just said something that is incredible. Explain the patent system to people who are like, what does that even mean? And and how is it, how are we so in like tied to this system where, you know, other options are, I guess, you know, like you said, they're never going to spend any money on it, but you know, you have to find drugs that are patented. What, what does that mean to the layperson? Well, um, the patent system is, you know, for drugs anyway, there, there are patents for other, other goods and services, but for drugs, um, the patent, I think they get 17 years if they establish that it's, it's, it works and it um, it's unique, right? And so unfortunately, and so once it's patented, once it's patented, there's no limit to what they can charge. They they charge whatever they want. And in America, America has um, only 5% of the world's population, but it's 75% of the big pharma's profits and about 45% of the gross oh, revenues go through America. Right. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, so the to, re to repeat, um, the healthcare system has revenues of $4 trillion a year 
roughly, maybe 3.9 or something like that. And the federal government's revenues, you know, the total amount they spend on everything is some somewhere north of 4 trillion, but not that much more. It might be four and a half or 5 trillion. I mean, who knows? Yeah. And it, it's all, a lot of it's deficit spending. Um, so, but 3.5 trillion in tax revenues. So what, the, what this does is it, it makes the companies completely dominate Congress, right? These healthcare companies, there's no other lobby, anything like healthcare in Congress. I mean, even the financial services industry is dwarfed by healthcare. And so these guys get whatever they want. And, you know, this is why, and for, you know, the regulatory agencies like the FDA, the Food and Drug mm-hmm. Administration, which mm-hmm. supposedly regulates the foods and the drugs, that is completely purchased by big pharma and the way it works is over half of the FDA's budget is direct paid directly by big pharma in the form of what's called user fees which are fees that are incurred during the patent approval mm-hmm. process so so th- th- this has been a in, in effect since 2003 I think roughly so if we know that you know these pat the patent process for medicine and pharmaceutical company or you know pharmaceutical medicine is you know pretty much a one-way ticket to unlimited profit and and almost sounding like a monopoly on the healthcare market for, you know, all of these. It is a monopoly. Yeah, it's a monopoly. So if we know this and we know that there are other things that will work and that will help people just as well as, you know, these drugs that are patent that uh, or that have the patent will do the same thing. No one's saying like, why are we not putting more things to help people out there irrespective? So like, I guess maybe my question is how, what's the criteria for getting the patent to begin with? And who says you get one and you don't get one? Yeah. Um, the way it works roughly is that um, there are now, the whole system is very well-meaning and it was all set up to protect the consumer, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's been manipulated and becoming a, a fraudulent pathway to create monopolies, right? That's what's yeah, happened that's, now. That's and the FDA, like to me. the FDA cooperates with the big pharma companies um, to create- For the reasons these, that you mentioned earlier. To create these patents, yeah. yeah. They're all rent seekers. They're all, they're all money grubbers. And you may know this and you may not, but big pharma in in terms of its settlements with federal prosecutors criminal prosecutors it's the most criminal industry in history billions of dollars a year they're in settlements and Pfizer is the worst one with the most settlements, the biggest settlements. So Pfizer's that vaccine manufacturer that you probably heard of. They're the, and they're, these people are mobsters. I mean, let me, let me quote a, a former Pfizer marketing vice president. He said, he says how it's scary how many sl- similarities there are between this industry and the mob. Obscene amounts of money, killings and deaths, bribing politicians and others. The difference is all these people in the drug industry look upon themselves as law abiding citizens. However, when they get together as a group, it's almost like when you have war atrocities. People do things they don't think they're capable of because the group can validate what you're doing is okay. That's from his book, The Whistleblower, Peter Rost, former marketing vice president. There's another guy named Harry Lloyd, who was a Park Davis CEO. He said, if we put horse manure in a capsule, we could sell it to 95% of these doctors. That's their attitude towards everybody. The the doctors and the patients. So wait, wait, wait. Wow. There's so much shocking information here. Like if you guys Oh, it gets worse. It gets way worse. My mouth is just hanging open for the last like three minutes. Yeah. Um that is listening to too much CNN. (laughs) Hey. 
Yeah, it's all one. You know, they dominate the mainstream media, these companies. I mean, the, 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 there's a, the narrative lines that are put out are absolutely the same worldwide. And they, they've got so much money, they buy everybody off. And so, okay, so in your capacity, you know, with writing- You're so innocent. You're so innocent, <laughs> Akanji. Akanji. I mean, so in your capacity, writing Butchered by Healthcare, this is some of the butchery that you're talking about in the book. That's right. And there's a lot more. I haven't gotten to the good stuff yet. Oh my God. I don't even know if I want to hear. Like, frankly, I'm just- You want to stay, you want to stay blue pill. You don't want to see, you don't want to see the matrix. Right? I, wow. So the FDA and pharma, they work together to fake these patent studies. I know it sounds hard to believe, but they they hide studies that don't promote drug sales. They corrupt mm -hmm. their research subcontractors in third world countries. They use statistical frauds. It's Some of it's obvious and some of it isn't. Some of it is obvious to the- It almost the sounds smart. like a, con a conspiracy theory. Like when, when Ebola came out, everybody was like, oh, this was developed in a lab. And we can talk a little bit about like, if there's some validity to some of these, you know, uh, theories that come out, especially now that we're in a pandemic, like, you know. Well, there's there's documented evidence that says that COVID was definitely developed in a lab. There's some circumstantial evidence that says even the newer, the newer variants, which are related to COVID, were developed in a lab. Now, Omicron, somebody missed the memo with Omicron because Omicron's the end of the pandemic. Omicron's in the midst of of immunizing everybody in the world. It's so infectious and so mild. So it's 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 quite a different virus. And either either that was put out by a white hat or I mean, maybe it was a mistake, or maybe there's a shift in the narrative that they've, they've designed. But they're, they're, the evidence that, I mean, look, if you don't understand that COVID was lab developed, you haven't you haven't done the most basic research. I mean, this thing, there, there's there's a line of emails and patents that dating back many years that point towards this. And the money trail is obvious. The money trail comes, comes from Fauci's group through a Europe European uh, money loan. And despite Obama's attempt to shut Fauci down. I don't know whether it was completely, you know, I, I don't know what the sequence was, but he mm -hmm. basically was, he saw a letter written by 80 or so um, scientists saying that this idea of developing a weaponized uh, uh, coronavirus is a stupid idea. And so he shut it down and then Fauci sent the money through a money laundering service in, in, in Europe, uh, you know, which is well known, well documented to the Wuhan labs. And the, the thing was definitely a lab generated virus that was either released on purpose or it was re released ac ac Accident. accidentally. But the, uh, the events that happened right after the release clearly implicate the co Communist Chinese uh, CCP, you know, the Communist Chinese Party, because they stopped the flight. Have you, you haven't heard any of this stuff? They stopped See, the flight. Okay, so, I mean, I've, I've in, done some, you know, yeah. some reading and... and, and I mean, when 2020, 2019, 2020, when COVID hit, everybody was like, this is what every, you know, the people that were saying it's a 5G related virus, like there was all kinds of things out there. And, you know, I was trying to use my master's education. <laughs> it's hard to, to understand. To separate, you know, what is the theory from what is the fact. And I have heard some of these things and, you know, maybe call it innocence, call it naivete. I don't know. I just chose <laughs> not to believe the worst of it. I chose to turn on my MSNBC or my CNN and hear people say, you know, close your mouth, all the things. And I did all the things. So I guess the question that I'm asking is with this kind of information, because this is information that will change the perception of people, you know, regarding this disease regarding coronavirus, it's still deadly, right? People are still dying. So what can the lay person do in the specific instance of coronavirus? What is knowing this information? How do you, I guess, protect yourself or not 
support. I don't know if I don't even know how to ask the question. Like, no, it's fine. I know how can to. You, answer can you can you get around yeah. it anyway? Of course. Now we haven't gotten to the bad stuff yet. You know, I mean, this is this is this is like the moderately bad stuff. The mm -hmm. worst part of the story. Now, <laughs> I mean, I can I hardly know where to start. I, the worst part of this story is the withheld treatments, right? And so we had viral treatments that worked well, right? Mm -hmm. For a decade, we understood all this stuff, and within a few months of the onset of the coronavirus thing, we understood that they worked well against coronavirus, right? And these include zinc, the, the, the nutraceuticals, you know, the ones you can buy over the counter, there's four of them that work pretty well, right? There's zinc, um, vitamin D, vitamin C, and quercetin. Quercetin is something that helps, somehow helps the zinc kill the virus, right? So if you take these things in the early part of your illness, you probably won't have much of a problem. But we've got, we, we've got these people who are vulnerable to coronavirus. It's not people like you. It's not for people like me, really. It's people that 85% of the people who died from coronavirus were morbidly obese. And that doesn't mean somebody that's a little fat. It means somebody that can hardly walk, right? So 85% were morbidly obese. I believe the average age in the United States was 79 and the average age of death in Europe was 82. So this doesn't, this doesn't apply to us, right? These, but we've got these other antibiotics that freaking decrease the fatality rate and the hospitalization rate by at least 85 percent mm -hmm. maybe 95 percent and those are ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine yeah. these are some of the safest drugs we've ever had ivermectin resulted in a nobel prize for river blindness i believe mm -hmm. uh, uh treatment and so these things are pennies a dose and you you don't think there's a conspiracy what were you listening to with all that horse horse uh, advertising and the ivermectin right? Do you think that just came out of thin air? That is big pharma's way of running down a drug that's a competing drug, you see, because we have only emergency use authorization for this toxic vaccine. And if any therapy was acknowledged to be to work against the vaccine, then people then, wouldn't take the vaccine. No, then they wouldn't even be allowed to use it. They wouldn't, they, they lose their emergency use authorization if there was anything. So they had no choice but to bribe the tech companies to censor, uh, you know, any information about, uh, about treatments. And they, as is their typical style, they created tens of thousands of stories about this horse idea that, that ivermectin was only good for horses. I mean, it's ridiculous. Billions of doses have been administered in humans. It's harmless, hardly any side effects or problems. And, and it, it avidly kills COVID. We have 60 studies that shows it does, that show it does. And for hydroxychloroquine, I mean, there's like 250 studies, 260 studies that show that it works against COVID and decreases hospitalizations and deaths, even in these really, really fat people. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a crazy scene and there's a whole lot of worse stuff going on now. I essentially believe we have to struggle because our feet are in the alligator's mouth. That's, mm -hmm. that's where we are. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry to, you know, to put a hammer at, in your perfect little world here. <laughs> but Our world is often not perfect. <laughs> no, it's imperfect. But, um, but you have to be optimistic and, and young yeah. people are optimistic. And I can see how optimistic you are by looking at it. <laughs> it's a good I thing. Try. Yeah, I try yeah. to like take, you know, I mean, cause so I'm African and what country? Cameroon. Cameroon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't and have a hint of an accent. You were born in America, were you? No, I was not. I came here when I was 18. 18? Mm -hmm. No kidding. Yeah. And you're 19 now, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> Add 10 years to the Oh, 19. you're kidding. Yes. Isn't that something? Um, 
But no, so in line with, you know, kind of the innocence of um, the healthcare system, right? there's so many other problems that, I, you know, if, if you read an article, you know that the healthcare system is flawed. Like, I, I don't think for, you know, don't think that I just thought everything is perfect. Like, there's flaws in the system. And for particularly with the coronavirus, I am African and I'm from a culture where, you know, you know, natural medicine, you know, ginger um, root and garlic and, you know, add a little bit of pineapple and something we call fever grass and you know this is what i i got the coronavirus and i just drank this for two weeks and i was fine right so what is the balance then between or is there even a balance between like here's what you can do at home and feel better and then or go take this pfizer vaccine or this moderna vaccine um and and if we're talking about you know censoring the other things that work so that these three brands can make all the money are they are they working though what's in the pfizer what's in the moderna is it working to help people at the very least that should be the case <laughs> you have a you have a talent for asking multi-part questions so um <laughs> look let me just go over the treatments and we will sh put uh, references in the show notes. There is an AAPS treatment guide for um, COVID, uh, which you can uh, search for right now. Your listeners can just search for AAPS um, COVID treatment guide and they'll okay. come up with this thing and they can uh, download it onto their computer and, and read it. But um, for people like you who are young and they're healthy, they're not don't have medical problems, they're not, not morbidly overweight, um, you know, it doesn't do any harm to take those nutraceuticals. Zinc is a good thing. Vitamin D is important. Vitamin D is something that I mean, the industry has sort of gone against that too. They changed the units to make it look more serious, to take larger quantities. But if you can get your vitamin D levels up, you um, decrease your um, chance yes. of dying from all causes. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, it's very helpful for viral, viral illnesses like uh, COVID. So vitamin D, zinc, um, quercetin, which is that magic uh, uh, nutraceutical that helps the zinc kill the coronavirus, right? Mm -hmm. And then vitamin D, uh, vitamin C. So those are the four. But if you are overweight, if you have medical problems like high blood pressure or diabetes, or if you're older, over 65, you probably have to have those other treatments in your medicine cabinet. Now there's, there's still more. Now the reason why there are so many things, we don't have a magic bullet for uh, COVID because mm -hmm. it's a multi-phase disease. First comes viral uh, spread in your body mm -hmm. and then comes an inflammatory phase. And lastly, you can get blood clotting everywhere. You can get a stroke, you can kill, it can kill your brain. I mean, I've had, one of my friends dropped dead a few weeks after the COVID shot. He just dropped dead. The other one got a massive stroke, right? So you, it's hard to establish causality, but uh, it's very suggestive that they they had they were both in wonderful shape. And although they were in their 60s, mm -hmm. um, they uh, they just they just had horrible problems. They'd never had medical problems before at all. Um, so I'm sorry for your loss. What's that? I just, I just said I'm sorry for your loss. I mean, you said they were your friends. Oh, everybody's got losses, and um, yeah. this 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 whole story is is a frightening phase in American. And, you know, I want to put another little uh, codicil on this, and that is the people that understand this the most are immigrants from totalitarian countries. And my friends who know about this, who came from, you know, Eastern Europe or mm -hmm. some other place that's not so nice, they say that the same feeling, they're getting the same feeling in America now that they, they had in their former country. So um, as an immigrant, you may understand it a little better, although I suspect your country was relatively stable. You obviously <laughs> no, are, it's not. it's not. Well, we could, that's a whole other episode. 
<laughs> okay, so we've got all these medicines, including um, steroids and nasal rinses with um, iodine solutions, uh, just a tablespoon of iodine in a cup of water, mm -hmm. and they can snort that in and out of their noses. And that really freaking helps. It kills viruses very well. Okay. So you can start that at the beginning of your or uh, um, diluted peroxide. You can snort that in and out. It's a little gross to snort it in your nose and out your mouth, but you can learn how to do it. <laughs> right? And it kills and most anything, of the viruses. If yeah. I don't die, anything, I will do nope. most things. So I don't. We die. have scared everybody so much that they think, even young people like you, think that is a serious matter. It's not for you. And the idea of getting a vaccine in, in your case is absurd. It's obscene. The vaccine is causing enormous numbers of problems and fatalities. And they're not being fully documented and uh, shown up because of a wall of propaganda from these big companies. And so you've heard of the VAERS, the VAERS database for fatalities. Have you heard of that? That's that's the, we've got this pretty good system in America for reporting um, vaccine problems, right? Mm -hmm. Vaccine something or other. That's what, that's anyway, that's what the initial stamp stand for. And it shows 22,000 deaths due to the COVID vaccine so far. Now, you don't know this because this isn't your field, but after five, zero, 50 deaths, any prior vaccine gets thrown off the market. Well, this thing, oh, because sorry. of this, yes, this thing, because of this enormous political and financial pressure behind the, the vaccine um, and the cooperation of the politicians and the tech companies and essentially creating a wall of propaganda, this thing has been allowed to uh, go on. And it's, it's wow, an outrage. That's really. a lot more than 50. It's not, it's not even 22,000. There's another problem. This database is underreported because it's a voluntary reporting system. The best estimates are five to 10 times that many deaths. And just think about that. Okay. And just imagine, you know, we supposedly have 800,000 COVID fatalities in the United States, right? If we could have pre prevented 85% of the fatalities, what, what do you call that? I call it genocide. I mean, it's amazing. It's just an amazing, amazing scene. And I'm going to include links. I've got a uh, article that I wrote with 50 or 75 references that your your listeners can uh, can uh, uh, refer to mm -hmm. if they're interested um, and they are academic. If they're less academic, what they should do is listen. You've heard about the Joe Rogan interviews with McCullough and Malone. Well, Rogan's a, incredibly influential. I mean, he's- Yeah, I know Joe Rogan. He, you know him personally? No. <laughs> no, um, yeah. So, so he's he is bigger than any individual network in terms of his listenership. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a huge, huge thing. And- one of his, he interviewed two of the top academics about um, COVID. And one of them was the in, inventor of the messenger RNA technology named Dr. Malone, Robert mm -hmm. Malone. That guy got 40 million downloads, 40 million. Okay, so you got to have 40 million and one downloads when you do it, Akanji. <laughs> okay, because you got to listen. No it's pressure. several hours long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the other one is Peter McCullough. So those two, and we'll reference those in the show notes, but those two red, red pill a lot of people. And if you're slightly, if you like to read a little bit, um, RFK Jr. wrote a book called The Real Anthony Fauci, which lays out what's going on. And he lays out, this is sort of a template for the guy's criminal prosecution because he's a career criminal and he's killed an enormous amount of people with what he's done. He has distributed okay. almost a trillion, T trillion dollars worth of healthcare funding from the U.S. Treasury into the pockets of private companies that develop these proprietary drugs. You know, a trillion is a thousand billion, a thousand billion, which is a thousand million. So 
I mean, it's it's an enormous amount of money. He's been very powerful and he's got to go. He'll probably retire so like, before so, the midterms. Okay, so this is all like really horrible sounding. We're going to put horrible. it bluntly. It is bad. This is prison level, like life sentence type stuff, okay? Is it just that there's so much power in the money? And I think this is going to be the answer to this question, that there just aren't enough people talking about it. I mean, there's got to be some benefit though to, you know, having the population take like I don't it's hard for me to believe that this is being propagated as the solution to the coronavirus and I, as an African I know that there are other options because I've you know I got sick and I never went I never took one drug maybe yeah, I bought you're, like some you're only 30 sorry you're only 30 exactly but you see but that's the thing but that's because I I'm from a culture where alternative medicine is is has, is part of my culture so we're not running to the hospital at the first sign of anything right we're not like trying to take pills but at the same time I'm like there has to be at least an element of you know this is helping people I took the vaccine both doses I'm gonna take the third one in a week or so whatever I don't know what date it is but and and I feel fine right and I'm sure there are many stories like me but I'm trying to find like not that I'm trying to excuse what is happening because it's absolutely horrible but is there no good in all of this at all <laughs> I mean I, the I, answer, I'm, I'm grasping for the like, answer is that the bright the light as the you end of the get tunnel. into it you get stunned by how evil the whole thing is oh I mean it, it's a terrible thing and uh, let me tell you if <laughs> If you care about your fertility, you're not going to take that third dose. This the the vaccine, the spike protein is is collected in your ovary, right? And if you were pregnant, it would kill your baby. I mean, it does kill 80% of the, the pregnancies if you get it during pregnancy. And these evil people are giving it to pregnant women. Pregnant women what? don't get any medication. Uh, we don't give them anything. There's tremendous liability in giving them anything. Now, you got to understand this is the most profitable medication in history. The gross revenues of this for $100 billion in this last 12 months alone is just ridiculous. The Pfizer has profit margins of about 40 to 50% every year, the last four or five years. And now this year, I don't know what they're going to be. They might be 75 or 80% profit. I mean, it's just insanely profitable. They got enough money to see the way the, to understand this, you have to understand that the tech companies and the media companies and the pharmaceutical companies have common ownership, right? And they have board members that are spread across, you know, they might be have a, you know, one jerk who is a Pfizer board member, he might be on the board for uh, the, Google yeah, for the tech or company, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, tech company and, and a media company. And, uh, you know, they've got um, political influences and all that stuff. So it is a relatively monolithic uh, uh, problem with these th this this uh, group of people who have, are essentially trying to scare the living uh, snot out of everyone and, and make them anxious and there are there are ideas about what they're up to, but it's not just about health. It's about control. And if you know what's happening in other countries, you will understand that this is a world worldwide problem. I mean, Australia is a nightmare. New Zealand's a nightmare. Germany and um, Austria, they they really look like they did before World War II. I mean, they're taking control of people. I mean, they're they're making the unvaccinated people, you know, and the the, the thing that is happening right now, the last 10 days, is the Omicron spread across the world. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing, the lie is becoming more obvious. Now, I don't, I'm not perfectly optimistic about this being our path out of, out of the disaster, but it is a path out of COVID. COVID is no longer going to be a problem very, very soon. It's really no longer a problem in the United States. It doesn't, I mean, until I don't think as of 
10 days ago, Omicron had killed one person documentably in the United States, and it had spread. 1% of Israel turned positive for COVID in 24 hours, about two days ago or a day ago. So it's incredibly infectious, incredibly infectious, and it's not very strong. And it... uh, it's the end of COVID, but they're going to think of something else. And this thing, the whole crisis, the whole thing was manufactured. It's all very well documented through patents and money chains and uh, so on and so forth. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a sad deal. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a couple other things that, uh, that will stun you if you, if you, if you're, if you haven't had enough already. (laughs) I'm stunned already. Uh, I mean, keep going. Cause see, this is the thing. I think a lot of people, a lot of our audience, I would say, and then, is you know like me right we are we everybody's have like you Akanji. <laughs> i mean there's there's this is a this is a everyone has been fooled with the exception of maybe a third of the populace who are skeptical naturally mm-hmm. but the, the the i think the majority of people have been partially or totally fooled but the thing that's happened is a lot of these idiots excuse me present company accepted who've had the jabs mm-hmm. have gotten COVID. And I don't I know why you would, well, why would you ever get the jab after you had COVID? Because COVID confers perfect immunity lifelong, right? You might be able to get Omicron again, but the other variants, the serious variants, never again. So once you've had COVID, you have what's called cellular immunity, which which you you will never, ever have a problem with this cold virus ever again. So just, variant, you, you'd be, Omicron, but if I caught the variant, is, it, the, Omicron the is harmless. It's the harmless. other one. The other well, see, this is just a, a scare tactic. There's no documented infection with COVID outside of Omicron. Okay, and so you you just can't believe what you've been told. So yeah, it's crazy. I mean, let me let me go into a couple other things if you want, or ask another question. No, absolutely. No, no, no. Me. I mean, because. <laughs> You know me, speechless, and and I'm barely, I'm hardly ever speechless. Um, if there, if more you sound vaccine, like you have a lot to say all the time. I do have a lot to say all the time, and now I'm like, what? You're a very likable person. <laughs> Thank you. You're very likable. Um, I'm sure okay. you know that. So there are more things that we normal people who are susceptible to being fooled by big pharma companies should know. Well, you have to study this stuff in order to be fully convinced that what I'm saying is true. And we will we will give, I mean, the, the best way is to see those two interviews on Spotify, mm-hmm. you know, Rogan interviews. And ideally, you can read uh, RFK Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci. That's the easiest way to really get it. But we'll, I've got a summary document which, with a lot of references, but listen to a few other crazy factoids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the initial therapy recommendations were shocking. You were supposed to stay at home until you got too sick to breathe, right? And then you go to the hospital where you get intubated and mm-hmm. you're given a drug called remdesivir, which kills 25% of the people who take it. Now, remdesivir was approved for COVID. You know why it was approved? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Now you get it. If they approved it and it worked, they wouldn't be able to have the emergency use authorization to give everybody the damn vax anymore. You get it? Uh, it was approved because it doesn't work. I mean, this is a very But why would story. someone approve why would someone approve something that will kill 25% of the people who take it? Because everybody's in bed with everybody else and there's a lot of money being made and they don't care about the deaths. It's that simple. That's people's lives. I know. I know, I know. I it's, it seems very commonsensical to you and me, but it's I, this thing 
has activated a lot of people and I'm one of them, right? Hmm. Basically, the people who wake up realize how important the problem is and how pervasive the evil is. And we're working on it full time. So I have a question for you, right? Outside of these kind of horrid factoids, <laughs> hashtag horrid factoids. Um, you want me to tell you something optimistic? No, that's not what I, that's not what my question is going to be. I've got some optimistic stuff. Go ahead. Okay. We can get to, oh, I would love, <laughs> I would love a less shocking um, factoid. But so this is, is this a function of the capitalist system in America or is this happening across the world in the healthcare system across the world? Because there are, you know, like, not everybody, not every country is capitalist. Not every country is focused on like how much money can me and my friends make and everybody else can die poor, right? Is this happening on a global scale or is it just because America has the biggest pharmaceutical market in the world? And so it just feels like it's everywhere. You remember what Jay Leno said on his European tour? He said, we we ruined our culture at home. We're coming over here to ruin yours. No. <laughs> So the answer I was answer, hoping for some good news. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is in my in my opinion and this is a subjective question so I I can't be objective. Okay. So in my opinion it's the structure of these corporations that make them the the way now the corporations have made us enormously wealthy but they are agnostic about good and evil, right? And these corporations have been true, become truly evil and they uh, don't care about human costs as long as they make more money. Now, here, I've got something that'll relax your listeners for a second. You want me to do it? <laughs> yes, please. Okay, I'm going to show you my dog. I've got a 75 pound, five month old dog. Do you want to see it? Oh, okay, hang on. That's fun. What's his name or her name? We're about to meet Rob's dog. That is so cute. Well, after all of this information about, you know, how evil the healthcare system is, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to think about. I mean, I was getting ready to take the, you know, booster shot and now, you know, I have, oh, look at him, look at him. What's his name or her name? That thing's going to be, that thing's going to be 160 pounds. Isn't that crazy? That's my weight right now. It's a Connie Corsa, which is a oh big, big dog. God. And that's it's only a, five months old. It's a real sweetheart. So there's your there's your uh, comic relief for your Thank podcast. You. You're welcome. I okay. So so I want to back to the depressing stuff. Oh. Okay. So, so the, the so fact that people, we're talking about I, this and laughing you know, is we, like, we have this is called black humor. Now the reason yeah. why I'm laughing is not because I think it's funny. No, absolutely um, not. But see, the hospitals are incentivized by the federal government, and this means that the government's bought off by the pharmaceutical companies and the other forces. They're incentivized to diagnose people with COVID. They're incentivized to give them rendesivir. They get $20,000 or something for that. The drug company pays them 25% or 20% of the gross revenues of the drug sales. They're incentivized for innovating people, which is mm. fatal in many, many cases. They're incentivized for people dying. Okay, so the average, I know that sounds crazy. The average dollar value of a COVID patient to a hospital is about $100,000. I mean, it, it's just, it's just, I know, it's totally sick. And you guys have got to look at my references to believe it. And that story that I just told you is deep into the, the story. Just try to try to understand the superficial stories. Your listeners should try to understand the superficial stories that, that good therapies are being withheld mm -hmm. and that the vaccine is terrible. Like I knew, I knew, you know, I always know in the back of my head that like, I'm sure those are cancer cure 
out there and someone so you believe just, magic carpets fly <laughs> no 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 i i frankly i i thought you know i'm sure there's a cancer cure out there and someone's just sitting on it because all these cancer patients are making people a lot of money let me briefly address that and so oncology or cancer therapy is one of the more lucrative areas in medicine and it's one of the most corrupt because the cancer doctors get 20% of all the drugs that they prescribe in their clinic. They and their their goal is often to get these people in barca loungers. You know what a barca lounger is? One of those things where you lie back. Oh. It's a it's a recliner. Yeah. And give them cancer drugs every week for a year. And during that year, they administer drugs that are have a gross revenues of a hundred thousand and they get twenty thousand. So that's that's the standard split. We have only about five cancer therapies that work. Five cancer um, and the rest of them prolong life only about two months at best. So it's it's a huge fraud. They're, the cancer doctors are making a lot of money. They have a conflict of interest financially. And uh, I mean, it's a sad deal. What is the moment that you had in your personal life that got you to say, let me ask more questions? Because I, I feel <laughs> like in the question. course of your career, there has to be a time when you were like, am I going to drink the Kool-Aid or... <laughs> Am I going to go the other way and like make sure people know what's really happening here? I'm I'm almost I'm two and a half times older than you are, right? So almost, not quite. And I didn't really pick this up. I was like Rip Van Winkle. I was asleep for decades, and I was in a side side uh, uh, side uh, bywater of uh, medicine called cosmetic surgery. And so. About four years ago, I started studying this, but I got into it through the hormone therapy and started studying the, uh, the the rest of it. And I didn't learn, I didn't fully understand. I thought COVID and the vaccine were out of my purview until maybe six months ago. And so I didn't understand it. So I know I'm not real critical of people who don't get it yet because mm -hmm. they've listened to all the propaganda. Um, but I'm hoping, hope, hopefully we can red pill some of your uh, listeners and get them at least to look at it carefully. So why are we pushing the vax on little kids? I just have a few more minutes and then I've got to go. Mm -hmm. The reason is because if the clot shot is approved for kids, the manufacturer's liability is permanently removed. Wow. That horrible story. So um, you can find me at robertyohoauthor.com and um, you can get my books, uh, Butchered by Healthcare and Hormone Secrets in Amazon or wherever books are sold. Wow. And with that, Akan, I can come back. Akani, I can come back. Uh, Kanji. Kanji, yes. I think yeah. that this was a riveting conversation. Thank you for your time. Um, it's, you know, I think there's a lot to talk about. And and we didn't get you, through you all can of have it, me. But... You can have me longer. I, I've done three hours, but for some reason, I have another one right now. So Oh, uh, no, that's okay. That's absolutely have a good one. fine. Thank you very much for You're your welcome. time. Guys, I mean, what? There is a lot to unpack pack in this episode absolutely like mind-blowing a lot of this information i frankly had no idea i mean i always had an inkling that you know nothing is perfect and not the healthcare system not you know there's a lot that isn't perfect but to this degree is shocking now i am you know one of the people who did take the vaccine um i'm scheduled to take the booster shot and it is giving me a lot to think about so at the very least um listen to this podcast follow up with uh Rob's, you know, references and make an informed decision, right? Like decide what you want to do. Frankly, this is a lot. It's a lot to unpack. And you can hear me kind of blobbing over here because there's just so much. There's so much. I, I'm like so much. Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode. If you have questions, definitely don't be shy. Um, send us an email, cultureclasspodcast at gmail.com. 
you can reach out to Rob on his website at robertyohoauthor.com um, and just, you know, ask all your questions because I think this is information that, you know, we all have to at least know exists to make an informed decision and informed choices for ourselves and for our families. So um, if you're in the healthcare system, you know, be the change that you want to see, um, be the difference. Um, and that's really all I can say about that. Thank you, Rob, for joining us on this episode. And I'll talk to you guys in the very next one. Bye.